Welcome back to the 10 Blocks Podcast. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Joining me on the show today is Erica Sandberg, a widely published consumer finance reporter based in San Francisco, and she also covers homelessness, crime, and public order in the Bay Area for City Journal. In her latest article, San Francisco's Substance Abuse Crisis, Erica reports on the grim state of affairs in the city's 6th district, in which thousands of homeless addicts shoot up and smoke unmolested, while the city pushes policies that ignore the real source of the problem. Erica, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Brian. Well, let's let's discuss this uh, recent piece you've done for us, which which got a lot of traffic, a lot of attention. Uh, California now leads the nation um, and has for some time, I think, in unsheltered homelessness. Uh, I think statewide, there's something like 90,000 people living on the streets. As you note, more than 8,000 of those homeless individuals live in San Francisco. Governor uh, Newsom, Gavin Newsom, has launched a program called Project Room Key to relocate the unsheltered homeless people to hotels and motels that the state is now leasing and turning over to them. Now, how has that program fared so far? So let's let's start with that. Yeah, overall, it's been a disaster. Um, you wouldn't know it if you talk to the politician and and anybody else who's involved in in the program because they're going to say that it is fabulous. Everything's working out really well. Um, but they don't want you to go down and take a look at what actually is happening. So it's there's this massive disconnect. Um, the crime in and around these hotels and motels is off the charts. We have seen absolutely no difference on our city streets. Um, if the intention was to help people off the streets and that, that we'll have clearer, better communities after this, that certainly has not happened. And, um, and more tragically, it has not helped the people who were designated to these hotels, most of them. I mean, there, there are a handful of people who were really grateful and it, it's really been beneficial. But you're talking about huge numbers of people who have extremely bad substance abuse problems. And what it the, the result of just simply putting them inside these rooms has been nothing short of a disaster. Well, what what do you think explains this uh, strange fact that uh, city and state leaders just won't recognize that homelessness is significantly um, a phenomenon of addiction and mental illness, often in combination? You know, why are they so intent on treating this as as a problem of housing, that insufficient housing, or it's too insane. Yeah, it's a it's the housing first uh, philosophy, where the reason that people are homeless is because they do not have housing, and they're they're sticking to that like like white on rice. They refuse to let that go, and it's it, maybe and and I can't really get into why they don't want to um, because I don't I can't get inside their heads because it's so clear. If you look at the situation and you look at the people who are on the streets, the first thing that's going to come in, it, it, the first reaction that you will have is these are very, very sick people. For the most part, it, it they are just in, in the worst condition you can imagine. And your first reaction would not be, 
oh, if only they had a room to go to. It would be, oh, if only they had a place to go where they could get physically and emotionally well. That's where you would go. So yeah, why the, why the disconnect? I'm sure it has something to do with money. It has something to do with politics. It has something to do with not wanting to admit that you're wrong. And instead of, instead of just stopping and changing direction, it's doubling down. Um, so it, it's a combination of factors. Uh, Governor Newsom, in fact, has proposed Project Room Key as a, a kind of national model that other cities should be uh, following uh, the lead of California and San Francisco in this. Uh, and we're, you know, we're seeing a, a version of that here in New York, and it's it's creating similar problems um, and similar public complaints. Now, speaking of Newsom, uh, there is a recall push. Uh, which is something California makes possible, and it's it's taken off. Supporters of the petitions to recall the governor say they have now exceeded the threshold, which is uh, 1.5 million signatures, uh, to initiate the recall. So that means Newsom will probably face this later this year, right? Um, now, you know, the governor's friends in the press and, and his political allies have called this a Republican recall, uh, led by diehard supporters of Donald Trump and, you know, motivated by um, this this anti-scientific irrationality over masks and, and how uh, Newsom has handled that and, and lockdowns. Uh, is that an accurate view in your, in, in, in your opinion? And is, or is, you know, Newsom facing something broader? Is this, uh, is this a dissatisfaction that goes beyond uh, but, you know, hardcore conservative elements in the state. Uh, it's it's pathetic, quite frankly. Um, the people who have been really vocal about uh, getting rid of Newsom and, you know, just being really um, upset about what's happened to California are people all across the political spectrum. It has It is absolutely not a conservative-only or Republican-only movement. Not by a long shot. And I mean, again, I can take a look at here in San Francisco where, you know, I could probably fit all the Republicans into my small apartment and, you know, still have room. And um, I know a lot of people who are had signed the, the recall petition and are very eager to have him out. And they're, they're, simp- they're, they're just not on the right. They're, they're very... Most of them are, are, I would describe them as being just kind of in the center or apolitical or even slightly on the left. So, yeah, I mean, it would be disingenuous to to paint them all as this sort of hardcore right wing movement trying to get rid of of Gavin Newsom. It's absurd. And to me, it smacks of desperation because if they have to lie about it, then it really shows they don't have the truth on their side. Now, uh, you know, Newsom may prevail in the recall or he may not. uh, But it, and, you know, as you suggest, it doesn't seem likely that California is going to become a swing state in presidential races uh, anytime in the near future. But, you know, we are seeing some signs in California that voters do have limits uh, about what they're going to tolerate on the left. Uh, this this seems very true locally, and 
you know, it's it's perhaps true for at least certain statewide offices as well. Uh, what do you think the opportunity is for California conservatives or Republicans um, as discontent mounts with, you know, officials like uh, Newsom or or L.A. Uh, attorney uh, George Gasson? Yeah, I think that there's huge opportunity. There's huge opportunity for independents, uh, for for independent um Politicians, anybody's going to step in and say, I'm just going, I'm just, I'm, I'm actually going to completely ignore the two party system and I'm just going to go forward because obviously what we have is not working. Um, I think that there is an opportunity for classic conservatives. It's really hard with, with the, the Republican Party. It's, it's been really tarnished. So I don't have as much, you know, optimism regarding that. But I think anybody who would be, uh, a little bit different has has a, a great message is very positive and has has something to back it up with uh, you and I were talking earlier wrote uh, very briefly about uh, yang in in New York and uh, honestly if he were here I think he would do well so it, it's going to be somebody who is slightly different mm-hmm. who would have the the most uh, with the most uh, enthusiasm from voters at this stage. It's so sad to see what has happened to this state. In diehard Californians, we are here. There are plenty of of us. And we want somebody who is going to just simply run the state well, be a good manager. And we do not have one. It is truly a tragedy what has happened to this state. It truly is. It would be very difficult to look at California and say, this is a success right now. It's embarrassing. Um, The homelessness alone, and I hate that word homelessness because it really doesn't describe what's driving the homelessness. Um, But you look at Venice, California, Sacramento, Berkeley, San Francisco, downtown San Diego, it's astonishing how bad it is. And it's all policy driven. So we need to have somebody who's going to be here and is going to change that policy. That's what we're looking for. And that's just one step. That's just one thing that's making us in, in California so completely livid. Uh, returning to uh, San Francisco, you have a progressive prosecutor serving as district attorney there. A notorious uh, figure now, uh, Chesa Budin, who has started to encounter some backlash of his own uh, when it recently emerged that a man who allegedly murdered uh, a baby boy had twice been arrested for felony domestic violence this year, only to be released both times. The San Francisco Chronicle reports that uh, Budin's office dismissed 113 of 131 domestic violence cases brought between October and December of 2020. San Francisco's a very progressive city, uh, but is patience with this kind of um, uh, progressivism starting to wear thin in your view? Oh, it's, it's worn thin. If it was a novelty in the beginning that made people very excited, like, oh, we have this social justice guy here and he's going to empty the prisons and everything is going to be grand. Even even his supporters have backed away and have said, "Okay, this is this is not working out." So it's it's pretty astonishing. Uh, like for example, city supervisors, the those who did 
support him very publicly. You you can't you cannot find their support online right now. They're still there, but they're not really there. As far as the public is concerned, they've turned their back on him. His main Chesa Boudin's main supporters now are actually coming from outside the city, which is really interesting to see. Um, it's it, if you're here here in the city, you know how bad crime has become. You know, you feel it, you see it. It's happened to someone you know if it hasn't happened to you personally. So the first the 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 first person you're going to look toward and say, well, what are you going to do about this is going to be the DA. And that DA has abdicated his responsibilities. He is an absolutely atrocious district attorney. He's not doing his job. And the the greater San Francisco politic, uh, 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 population has really very, very much soured on him. And yeah, he's, he is being recalled. And uh, there's a lot of excitement about that. Uh, I wonder, you know, a, a last question just on the the local press in the city. Uh, the San Francisco Chronicle is still publishing, although I think it's not the force it once was in, in city life. What What is the media environment like there, and how do they regard uh, the, the city's current situation? Well, I think the media, it depends, obviously, on the publication, but uh, there's been a, I think there's, there, there has been a push toward gentleness on on uh Chesa Bedin. um even though you know you have columnists like heather knight from the san francisco chronicle who has definitely covered the uh the situation regarding crime um you have some amazing uh, anchors and and reporters like dion lim of channel 7 um abc who has been on it hard uh, documenting what Chase Boudin has done and how the effect he's had on on crime and you know how it, it's it's not being prosecuted it's it's here it's just not enough we definitely need more journalists who are brave and who are going to come out and say look this is the truth these are the numbers uh, oh we have the marina times um, which is a small independent newspaper who has been very, very um, uh, on it, and is not afraid is not afraid to tell the truth. But you've got the San Francisco Examiner, who still has one foot in left wing media, and it, it's really hard. They don't want to come out and be be as blunt as they should be, which is it's kind of sad. But at the same time, yeah, there is the independent reporters and some some even stayed. Uh, Traditional reporters have definitely come out and and reported on what they need to because it's the truth that we are not doing well, and that's really sad. I mean, the, the fact is we're not doing well. The baby is very sick. The, the baby is San Francisco. I'm very afraid of what's going to be happening in the future. I have optimism, but there there there's a lot of sickness here. Well, I think this uh, helps, um, you know, explain why your your work is gaining such uh, such attention on the city. Erica. Now, don't forget to check out her work on the City Journal website, www.city-journal.org. We'll link to Erica's author page in the description. 
You can also find City Journal on Twitter, at City Journal, and on Instagram, at City Journal underscore MI. If you like what you've heard on the podcast, please give us a ratings on iTunes. Erica Sandberg, thanks very much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the weekly 10 Blocks podcast featuring urban policy and cultural commentary with City Journal editors, contributors, and special guests.